Hi, this is Steve O'Mooney, and you're listening to another great show only on the 4i Radio Network. For more great shows, feel free to check out www.4iradio.com. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Oh, Parker, why'd you have to say that? To listen to this show, find us on 4iradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And before we get into the episode, we had some word snappers words uh-huh. last week. This has been a long time coming because I've been asking people to make a reference to this since literally we started Word Snappers, and it <laughs> finally happened. It was like the very first example of like the power you can wield through Word Snappers. Yep. I was always surprised that no one used it because it's just like, you got your example. I mean, people didn't want to use it because they were like, it's an example, so I'm not going to reuse it. I'm like, no, I want you to. Um, I don't know. I feel like it could have been strategic. It might have been like uh, a uh, strategic move on the part of the submitter this time. Yeah, uh, well, considering what the episodes that we'd be recording, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, these words were, we love Topher Grace's Venom, submitted by Lillian Grimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't we just, though? <laughs> Doesn't everybody? I think it's a pretty popular opinion. I, there, People have been clamoring for him yeah, to come back. Yeah, super cold take. Yeah. People have been clamoring for him to come back in the uh, in the Venom. People were so mad when it was Tom Hardy instead of Topher Grace. They really want him to be in the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah, real real snub there. <laughs> <laughs> I have said much about Topher Grace's Venom on my YouTube channel, yeah. so I get it. I don't. I see. He's definitely never going to be my favorite Venom just because of what I like about Venom. But I do think he was not a bad choice for what they were doing with him. Just the question is sort of like, did you like what they were doing with him? And a lot of people didn't. So you know. Makes sense. I will say, given that literally everybody in the entire universe and all universes has been announced for Spider-Man 3 except for Topher Grace's Venom, it would be an absolute gag if Topher Grace was literally anywhere in that movie as any character at all. I would probably lose my mind. I would kind of lo- I would kind of love that. Yeah. I would actually really love as that. As long as it actually ended up as a surprise cuz you know nothing's going to be a surprise in this movie anymore. Mhm. Thanks oh, yeah. everyone. <laughs> Thank you internet, internet and news media and every and just everything. Yep, yeah. the state of the world now yeah. in 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 the entertainment industry. So I'll say it here, the person I would be most excited to see in Spider-Man 3 again is uh Topher Grace's Venom. So, hey, bring it on. Just don't tell me ahead of time. Yeah. Or just Topher, <laughs> Topher Grace in general. He doesn't even have to be Venom. I think just him showing up as a, in as anything. anything would be funny. Anyway, we're not talking about movies or Topher Grace anymore. Who know he might come up again because it's uh, I it'll, 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 <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. 
I doubt it, though, because we're, continue- we're continuing to talk about the uh, 2017 Spider-Man show, also known as Marvel's Spider-Man, the most recent one. This show is available on Disney+. Plus. If you'd like to watch along with us, very accessible. And we are on already on the fifth episode of it. It still feels like we just started, and we're already, like, powering through it. Yeah. This is uh, 2017 Spider-Man Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Party Animals. The synopsis per IMDb is, Horizon High throws a dance party for Harry after exonerating him of any wrongdoing. Norman tries to convince Harry to stay at Osborne Academy. And then lots of other stuff happens. Yes. <laughs> I, I love these synopses. So this is everything I want from a synopsis. Or, uh, I don't know. I, I still think maybe maybe I am... I'm uh, expecting too little from an actual synopsis, but this is what I like. I like these. Just a little taste. Just a little tease. Just like you like with Spider-Man movies, you like not being spoiled on everything before mm-hmm. you watch it. Yeah. The original air date was September 2nd, 2017. It was written by Sterling Gates. He is actually currently a story editor on The Flash TV show right now, which mm. is a big deal because that's like it's like not quite showrunner position but it's i think it's like right below that in terms of uh creative and everything which is pretty wild and he's also written on the supergirl show as well as a show called super dinosaur that i really want to check out i had never heard of it but it's like based on a comic by robert kirkman and the artist who did um astounding wolfman they worked on that together which is a comic i love it's another comic that's literally just about like a kid with a genetically engineered dinosaur and they are superheroes and it sounds rad Huh. So just, I think it's already like ran for a season and then ended, but gonna, gonna find it. I think it's on Amazon prime might be a fun watch. I do someday. Interesting. Um, oh, also, also, sorry. I just went down a rabbit hole with this, but in addition to being like a kid with a superpowered dinosaur, the kid's name is Derek spelled the same way as mine. So like, it's just calling out to me. And that anyway. has nothing to do with like the Marvel comic with the same concept, huh? <laughs> well, probably does, but you know. I'm, we could have multiple super dinosaur and or devil dinosaur shows. That's all fine with me. Mm-hmm. I'll make everything. I put a dinosaur in everything. He also wrote <laughs> a number <laughs> of uh, DC comic book titles. I think the only ones that I, the only comics I saw he wrote for were DC actually. So gotcha. working, working on Spider-Man is sort of a, like the one odd Marvel thing that he's done. Those comic books um, include Supergirl, War of the Superman, Hawk and Dove, as well as Justice League's Vibe. Uh, this episode was also directed by Sol Choi. We talked about him already on our episode 80. Nice. Also, Sterling Gates might be the coolest name I've ever heard in my entire life. Right? Right? Just, I think you know. Thing. Such a good name. <laughs> it's like a comic book name in and of itself. Exactly. Just as a side note, Sterling Gates, cool name. <laughs> There's really only one character and actor worth highlighting for this episode, because most of this is built on things we've already seen and characters we've already been introduced to so we've actually seen this character before we just didn't talk about who voiced them this is alexi sitsevich and he is voiced by matthew mercer who we have talked about pretty briefly before matthew mercer we talked about him in our walloping web snappers episode 20 as tony stark when we discussed the first two episodes of the anime marvel disc wars and we mentioned him a couple weeks ago, actually, because Mercer is the DM for Critical Role, which, <laughs> if you've never been on the internet before, <laughs> is a tabletop role-playing game on Twitch, of which Laura Bailey, who voices Gwen Stacy, is also a cast member. So Matthew Mercer is a pretty, pretty big deal. 
feel like if you're like, what's critical role? You also wouldn't know like what Twitch is, yeah. what tabletop role playing is. So yeah, yeah, I guess if you've avoided it, it, yeah, I guess if you've avoided Twitch pretty much and, 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 you know, don't necessarily do tabletop role playing or watch tabletop role playing, I guess it would make sense. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was dismissive of me. <laughs> it's still hard to avoid on the yeah. internet. I think. Yeah, if you're very online, at the very least, you probably <laughs> yeah. Know. Oh, but... I've still never never watched it. I do tabletop yeah. role playing myself. Never watched it. <laughs> I haven't either. Uh, it, it's very long running, to be honest, and I probably won't jump in. Uh, and I probably won't go like a hundred episodes back and start. So that's just kind of where I'm at. But not who I would have guessed for Alexi, but I also don't know what I would have expected for Alexi. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, it's fine. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's one of those examples where it's just, you know, they're doing a Spider-Man villain and, and putting them in high school. So you're going to have somebody who can do high schooler voice for it. And I think those things are probably going to come up quite a few times on this show. It seems like um, just because yeah. that's kind of the vibe they're going for. So, yeah, I mean, it does open it up to like more unexpected, uh, casting for villains that you maybe wouldn't like fan cast on your own so yeah no that that i love i mean i love that part that the fact that it we're seeing a pattern at least of the school being sort of a source a lot of a lot of these characters that we would have expected being sourced from elsewhere uh so i like that a lot um yeah. i just think like this alexi's fine <laughs> like, i mean I, I wasn't expecting him to to when, when i first saw him i was expecting something but I, I weirdly wasn't expecting as much characterization as this episode gives him. I'm glad mm-hmm. because Alexei Sitsevich is cool. But yeah, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I guess I don't know what I was expecting. But I, I don't dislike it. I'm just saying it's, it's fine. I don't think it's like outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> just, well, I mean, performance-wise, this is no shade to Matthew Mercer. I think he did what was like what's on the page. Fine, the character that he's doing. But the character pretty much just needs to be like a teenage boy with a very, very like thick Russian accent yeah it's a teenage boy with a with a russian accent that i cannot verify is good or bad so it seems it's like every tv russian accent which probably means that it's bad but it doesn't sound bad if you're a viewer who doesn't know russian so Uh, and that's probably why i think it's just fine like i can't appreciate it if it's good and i don't know if it's bad so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but that's pretty much the only character that we get introduced to or again not even introduced to it's the only character we haven't talked about that is pretty heavily featured in this episode and he's a main player in this so that makes sense yep 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 well let's uh let's jump into this episode then shall we Mm -hmm. so this episode opens with spider-man encountering the spider slayer again I love that spider slayer. It's so cool looking. Yeah. So he encounters the spider slayer while web swinging through the city. Uh, they clash a little bit as usual. Cause I, I, you know, you mentioned this before that they're sort of like continuing this trend of, of sort of like pinpointing different points of Peter's day in pretty much every episode with his little like regular meetups with Harry, whether it's mm-hmm. like for smoothies before school or for lunch or whatever. And we get another one of these right at the top of the episode where Harry is at their usual smoothie place, calling Peter to check in. Like, why are they, why, why isn't he there yet? And Peter of course is in the middle of fighting a robot. So he has to cancel the plans, but he does it in, in, in unfortunately, you know, the most uh, (laughs) unintentionally rude way possible because Peter is distracted by cause he's fighting that giant robot. So Harry's actually trying to sort of share a really important piece of news and Peter just kind of keeps cutting him off and 
Harry's like, I, I kind of wanted to wanted to tell this to you in person. I guess I could tell you over the phone. And Peter's like, oh, uh, no, we'll talk later. OK, bye. And then basically cuts him off. And Harry's understandably a little pissed off about it. Yeah. So we have a little action sequence. It's fine. After Spidey defeats the Spider Slayer, he does attempt to unmask it. And then, oh, no, it's a self-destruct sequence. Yeah. Yeah. So we see like the little clock on its face. So he initially is like, okay, well, let me rip this head off real quick and get this out of here. And he does that, <laughs> but that doesn't work because then he still hears like the little beeping. Uh, yeah. I think he takes off like the chest plate and it's actually the body that's a bomb. So we get this cool yeah. like web slingshot moment complete with like spider sense and math, which I will say I think uh, is promising because he doesn't specifically say aloud or even to us I can solve this with math and science. Yeah. Um, he does make a comment like after the fact saying like, thank goodness for geometry, which I'm cool with. That feels yeah. like a quip and a joke. So I'm, I'm already, I'm already more hopeful than I was the first few episodes about the like calling out, like we can fix things with science. Right. They're already getting better at it. The whole sequence I think is really fun because I love that they subvert the whole bomb and the head thing because it's like, oh, wait, the head thing is just like the display for the timer. The actual bomb is the body, uh-huh. which like, yeah, if you're going to put a self-destruct a destruct bomb in your robot, don't put it into something that's like easily removable by the hero. Put it put it in something that is nearly impossible to remove by the hero. Like, it's great. It's a great little subversion. I like how they play that out. Yeah, and the body's going to give you a whole lot more collateral damage and shrapnel, which is, like, exactly what we see happen. Yeah. We actually, there's, like, there's a funny little gag here where some guy walks up to him after what looks like the battle is over and is like, hey, could I get a selfie? Or, no, not a selfie. He's like, can you, uh, can you talk to my, my boy Phil or whatever? And then Spider-Man leaves a message for Phil and then slingshots the thing away in time for it not to explode, but then, like, limbs start flying everywhere, so... Still, still some things damaged. So he gets rid of the spider slayer pretty much just in time. And then it's revealed to us, not to Peter or Spider-Man, but to us just as the audience, that the spider slayer was being controlled by the newly admitted to Osborne Academy, Alistair Smythe, under the supervision of Norman Osborne. Things we probably could have guessed, but now have, uh, you know, direct confirmation of. We knew that the Smythe, or at least... Spencer Smythe had something to do with the Slayers and that Alistair was at least aware of them. And we knew they were connected to Osborne, but this gives us a very, very specific look into at least one way that the Slayers are being used, which is interesting. Yeah. And I think this is the first time it's established that Alistair is going to Osborne Academy. Oh, it definitely is. Norman specifically in this scene is like, congratulations on your admittance to Osborne Academy or something to that effect. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all funny because it's, it's a funny dynamic because in this episode, Harry is confirmed to be going to Osborne Academy by the end of it with Alistair, who's a kid who definitely like doesn't like him that he's had a fight with before. Yeah. His dad framed Harry and got him caught up in that situation the entire time, which Norman Osborne, I don't, I, he couldn't know that because I feel like he would kill Spencer Smythe if he found that out. So like, that's a really interesting dynamic to go move forward with. Um, I see. That's what's weird about it though, because I don't know that Norman wouldn't know that. Like I would be surprised to find out that Norman would have no idea that the Hmm. Smythe were involved because Harry suspected that. And so did Max. Oh yeah, that's true. 
That makes it even weirder. So, I mean, they don't necessarily show us that, but it's it's weird. It could be that they'll play with that, though. It's entirely possible, you know? And we do yeah. see that we, we, we're, we're peeling back little layers of Norman that I think do make it believable that he would allow somebody who fucked over his own son to go to his school. But it's yet to be seen exactly what they will do with that or exactly how much he's willing to engage with that type of stuff. Like they're, they're actually really kind of slow burning Norman in a way that I, I kind of dig. Yeah, I do too. Well, and I, and I'm glad that they are since Harry is already such like an instrumental emotional part of the show that I yeah. wouldn't want them to kind of blow the, the Norman lid off too early. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in that. I like the idea that you now have like multiple supervillains at this Osborne Academy mm-hmm. with like, that each kind of have similar goals, but are not clearly not the same and, and kind of cross over and conflict with each other in different ways. Like, I think that'll be fun to see moving forward. Yeah. And I think all of the villains that we could expect to come out of Osborne Academy so far are all much more complicated than villains we've seen to this point, at least like in a very direct sense. Right. Like we don't know anything about the vulture yet. Not, not meant to be all that complicated. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we don't get like a very complicated version of Rhino here, but the, the, the supervillains we can expect to come out of Osborne Academy, they're all in some sort of active state of conflict, or they just got out on the other side of a conflict. Uh, Alistair as the example is somebody who clearly is wrestling with not being able to get into these academies and then taking out his frustration on the institutions themselves only to be admitted to one. Like it's just, you know, Harry speaks for himself and then Herman Schultz, we saw what happened with Herman Schultz. So I do think it's, it's interesting. And I feel like we could get, I don't know what we're, what we're going to see, but I think we could get some really complicated villains coming out of Osborne Academy and I'm excited for it. Yeah. I I like that too. I like that. It's not just like the evil school. Like it kind of is, but it's, it's, they're not just pumping out supervillains over there. And it is just a lot of complicated characters that are clearly going to do probably do bad things later on but well the only the only directly evil thing about it is norman's practices the kids aren't evil you know what i mean yeah well alistair kind of is but yeah um, (laughs) but like the kids are just going to a school for the most part Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i like that yeah so back at horizon high peter does call harry back while he's rushing to his first period class but he doesn't have to doesn't even have to really talk on the phone very much because harry is actually there in the halls of horizon high um so harry explains that he's actually been cleared of all charges and now he's going to be returning to horizon everybody's happy about that because people like harry because he's a sweet boy and max suggests a celebration so they're all they're all nerds, right? So everybody's select oh my everybody's suggesting like math competitions and shit. It's just like, oh my god. Yeah, Alexi. Guys. Alexi suggests a math what is it? A math math lead math lawn? Something it's like it's, it's, it's just, just like what? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't I don't know. Nerds. They're such And it's cause it's cause it's not so even funny. like it's not even the thing that's so funny about it, I think, is that like it's not even like things that would be fun for like nerdy kids. It's not like we'll have a video game night or something. It's just stuff that is just straight up not fun at all. It's, it's all just like school stuff. It's all fully <laughs> academic. So like in yeah. context, of course, like we know these kids only through like an academic lens and they're all passionate about it. But it's funny because you end up and we get a little bit more into this in the next episode, but you end up in this funny situation where like Peter, as we've already seen a little bit, 
is a huge fucking science obsessed nerd but then he gets to horizon uh, horizon high and is like sort of the loser slacker kid like in comparison and it's yeah. so funny and he, then he also ends up being kind of like the most social out of the it's it's so funny to see i i, I actually love it. as much as they're all total dorks uh, i love it it's really funny it's such a fun environment to put Peter in because we're so used to seeing teenage Peter getting bullied and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And there's still like little like bits of that in certain ways. Like he'll, you know, he still has the face like feeling inferior yeah. intellectually to his peers. But like the fact that he like he is the fun kid. Like he explicitly <laughs> feels socially superior to them, though. Yeah, it's so funny. It's so <laughs> and so. And I think it's it's and I think it makes sense because yeah. he he I mean, he already has. He he already has a separate life outside of school and his science by being Spider-Man anyway. Yeah. Like he almost like he that that's gonna force him to grow up a little bit and with growing up a little bit in that way, you're gonna have a little more emotional maturity, I think. And so he's just like he already is aware of how the importance of just not doing work constantly all the time because he doesn't do yeah. work constantly all the time. And I think the show, I mean, regardless of whether this is realistic on a timeline standpoint, the show, I think, wants us to treat Peter like even though he's at Horizon High, he's still sort of between two worlds, even outside of the Spider-Man aspect. Yeah. Because he he's he's got kind of a dual identity thing even outside of being a superhero because he, like you said, he was like bullied at his old school, but he's like, quote, cool at his new school. But he doesn't fully fit in in either sphere, and so he kind of creates this bridge between the two, but doesn't fully fit into either one. And I think whether that feels fully realistic or not, I think it. I think it is realistic, but whether whether it makes sense on this timeline, I think we're supposed to view him that way. And again, I keep referencing next week's episode, but we see a little bit more of that with next week's episode too, where he's yeah. just sort of in this weird in between where he's pulled between two worlds, even though he's technically firmly in one. Especially because Harry like wasn't even at his school. So even when he would have been fully integrated by having a friend, that friend was at a different school, still connecting him back to the old world of Midtown. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like, it's, it's, it's like kind of subtle, but it is, I've never seen Peter Parker in a situation like this, like a version of him. It flushes out this version a lot. Yeah. Without telling us anything. It just shows us the, the, the place he's in. Yeah, I definitely feel like I kind of understand this version of Peter Parker a lot better at this point than I maybe did at the beginning of the show. Because it is, yeah, it's a unique place to be and a place that I can still see him like growing a lot from. And I can sort of see that situation changing as he hopefully, you know, gets to know his Horizon High friends better and stuff like that. And yeah. they, theoretically, you know, assuming, assuming, you know, characters change and everything on the show, which I think they will, they're all going to kind of grow and change and, and cause each other to change, I think, because of... Yeah. Their friendships and stuff. So I'm excited to see that play out. Yeah. Well, all of that to say that like Peter somehow comes across as the cool kid uh, in this environment. And he, this is a joke on his part, but when everybody suggests like dorky academic centric celebrations, Peter jokes about a dance and then Max being like an actual cool person uh, is like, yeah, a dance. That would be awesome. And everyone's like, are you kidding me? Peter, you dummy. <laughs> you dumb piece of shit. Like, they're all so mad at him because they're going to be, like, subjected to this dance. Like, M- Max is super excited. He's like, let's do that. I think the only person, the only student who's even into it remotely is Alexi because Alexi's sort of this, like, big party guy, kind of. Like, they sort of play on the rambunctious, like, 
like Russianness of him, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he's like pumped. But like then you get Anya like literally slapping Peter and being like, "What the fuck, Parker?" And then so Gwen is basically like, "Well, I guess this will be the first ever dance at Horizon High." Like they literally don't do social events. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it is funny because that's that's the thing that I do. I think it's it's hilariously kind of realistic about <laughs> about like high school kids is like nerds don't like go into dances if you're socially <laughs> awkward a dance is the worst place to be you know and so um, it creates this like new social norm at horizon where like if nobody there wants to go to a dance a dance immediately becomes not just a thing you want to avoid but like supremely uncool right it's so fun <laughs> it's so weird yeah it's like totally inverted yeah it's just like a dance is like oh god we have to go to a dance yeah it'd be like going to like a prayer service or a seminar or something like instead of i don't know going to a mixer <laughs> it's so funny it's so funny well you know uh yeah so like you said max is excited and gets makes the dance happen and all that stuff meanwhile alexi who is like we said very thrilled about this he celebrates before noticing a pimple on his forehead which will be important for a little later so he's like i can't go to the dance with this giant pimple oh no but would also just be like totally realistic, even if it wasn't significant. Because like, what's the worst thing that could happen to a teenager before going to like a cool social event than like having a you know a massive pimple just like right there? It's actually God, not a big yeah. deal if you're a teenager listening to this, but it feels like a big deal. Yeah, when you're a teenager yourself, it feels like I, yeah, totally, totally get that. Feels like <laughs> it. But yeah, yeah. So and Peter, Peter is like, I didn't want this. I didn't. I didn't actually ask for this. I can't even dance. And that's when. Um, <laughs> Gwen actually is like actually my uncle Raymond uh, knows how to dance. He's and actually it's kind of it's it's funny because Peter's like like I I can't dance. I'm a scientist. And Gwen's like you can be both things, dude. That's not that's not a mutually exclusive thing. And uses her uncle Raymond as an example because Uncle Raymond's like he's a brilliant scientist and he also taught me how to two step. So mm-hmm. you can still learn how to dance. This is a thing with Peter, and I think we'll probably see it at least throughout the first season of this like. I'm a scientist, therefore I am not, which makes sense for somebody who's like 15 years old or whatever, 14 years old, and like trying to understand their sort of like place in the universe. Because we saw it with like uh, his far less charming assertion that he's going to be a scientist so he doesn't have to rake leaves or like do manual labor. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, I also want to say that I fully got the impression that this offering of uncle raymond's help was going to result in a scene of uncle raymond helping peter dance and we don't get that so just another one of those weird moments for me i didn't take i must have missed that i didn't because i didn't even like that didn't even occur to me that she's like offering his help i thought she was just using him like my uncle raymond can dance and he's a scientist anyway bye like maybe i I thought it was more like if he can do it you can do it too rather than i mean that was definitely there that was definitely part of it but i for some reason thought she was like offering for uncle raymond to help peter (laughs) but maybe yeah Yeah. maybe i assigned uh something there that wasn't there I hope so, because, yeah, it would make no sense if she brought that up and then it never addressed and then it never But the reason that. I bring it up is because it wouldn't be out of character for the show sometimes to be That's like, true. this is going to happen, and then, like, jump three hours. <laughs> or three days, in this case, or however long it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it does jump to the night of the dance, and Peter is kind of getting ready. Aunt May is attempting to teach him how to dance, and she just ends up embarrassing him. It's all really cute. Have we talked much about this, Aunt May? No, we haven't really. She hasn't really been in the. She hasn't really done much yet. She's 
kind of had fretted about bills and that's about it. This is like kind of the first time. I think this gives us a peek though. This gives us like a little taste of who this, uh, like this Aunt May could be. And Mm -hmm. I think I like it. It's, it's like an older version of Aunt May, but it's like an older hip version of Aunt May. Yeah. You know, like it's different than Spectaculars, who I like a lot, but it's also different than Homecomings, who I like a lot. It still feels like its own sort of unique, like cool old lady version of, of Aunt May. Yeah, it definitely feels like I know I'm partially probably make this connection because of the voice actor, but it definitely feels a little more in line with the PS4 Aunt May, not so much in the coolness factor. I mean, although the PS4 Aunt May is cool, mm-hmm. but like a different kind of cool than this one. Right. But in the fact that she's like an older woman, but she's like very, um, she still has like a very like uh, a lot of energy and like very like an inner life. Like she yes. isn't like old woman who sits at home watching her stories and knitting. Like she's like a, an actual more realistic to. I was just 20... gonna say it's way more realistic. Yeah, she's like a more re- realistic to 2017 elderly and or middle age like upper middle aged woman who is still like working and has a life and is just a person exactly a caricature of an old person exactly find me you know find me the majority of 60 to 65 70 year old women who just do nothing in 2021 so i i like it a lot yeah yeah no i I do but i like her a lot this whole sequence is really cute because it is like she's like cool but like in a way that like we are going to think she's cool because we recognize her coolness. Exactly. But if you are a 15 year old, you're going to be like, uh, what is this old person doing? And it's like, no, they fucking rule actually. Right. She literally says you got to carb up to boogie down. And Peter's like, I do not like anything you just said <laughs> <laughs> or don't get it. Either way, he was fully humiliated. <laughs> and he like makes fun of her dancing to, to Harry afterwards when she's showing him at a dance. And he's like, she was like, doing a disco and i'm like she was dancing pretty well yeah. she was she was doing she looked great yeah so she had hip that's action a you, that's a you problem <laughs> peter <laughs> yeah let's see you dance fool <laughs> and i also love her like uh shoving a chip uh shoving a cookie in his mouth mm-hmm. like it's like you need to make sure you're you, you're fed for your dancing and it's a it's cookie cute. i know i love that yeah, see i feel like great. that also colors the Aunt may a little bit because they do take you know sort of traditional elements of of aunt may and they they make them less doting and obnoxious. So like, yeah, she's trying to get him to eat, but it's a chocolate chip cookie. And then at another point, you know, I think again, I keep referencing next week, but uh, you know, she does the the sweater and jacket thing, but it's like not annoying. Yeah. It's, it's actually, it's a lot more realistic, honestly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's all really cute. And Peter's having anxiety about the dance and everything. He meets up with Harry afterwards um, he's asking Harry kind of about his uh, or Norman's reaction to Harry leaving Osborne Academy since he's, you know, been accepted back into Horizon High. And Harry's like, uh, haven't haven't had that conversation yet. We're just going to we're just going to procrastinate on that one. And I like in this I like their little conversation about because it actually comes into play in, in, uh, in the next scene or in a couple scenes. I like the conversation about like the bow ties, like how long it took Peter to tie his bow tie, mm-hmm. which. Every time I've ever worn a bow tie that I've tied, which has been quite a few times, as many times as I've worn it, I still have to always look up a YouTube video on how to, how to tie it and carve out like 30 minutes to an hour to make sure I do it right because it always looks horrible. And then being like, I'm just going to get a clip on and it's it looks better. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I like that in this case, Harry, the like socialite rich kid. Is like, yeah, I just got a clip on. I'm not going to fuck with tying a bow tie. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Similar to me. I haven't necessarily gone with clip ons, but I definitely have never 
never spent a moment of my life tying an actual tie. It's usually a pre-tied tie that you end up like just adjusting on your neck. <laughs> yeah, I don't get. I've never gotten like the clip-ons that Harry gets because I feel like that's for like little little kids. Yeah, well, um, I guess I have like worn those, one... but as a little kid, yeah. Yeah, it's like the ones that you, yeah, that you can like still wrap around your neck and adjust and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, are pre-tied for you. <laughs> uh huh. I'm fully fully okay with it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm I'm cho- I'm perfectly fine with tying like regular ties. Like oh, same. It's just bow ties are just i think it's because you can tie a bow tie perfectly well and it's always going to be like slightly lopsided or whatever like mm-hmm. it's never going to be perfectly even like i guess that's just like meant to be the style of it but like then i feel like that just tr- drives me insane because then it's like well how uneven or lopsided should it look b- for it to look like cool and correct versus just looking like it was tied shittily and i feel like striking that balance is really really hard so don't be ashamed to buy the clip-ons or, like, the wraparound adjustable ones. It's fine. Nobody's yeah. going to be mad at you for it. Harry's got the right idea. <laughs> so down the hall, which I actually didn't realize until later, <laughs> I did not. I don't know if that was <laughs> meant to be a surprise or not. I think but... it was meant to be a surprise, yeah. <laughs> but this is literally happening down the hall from, from Harry and Peter. Raymond Warren is meeting with Norman to, to basically ask for employment at Osborne Academy, kind of like he was doing with Max and Horizon High. And during their conversation, Norman alludes to having already employed Raymond Warren at some point and firing Raymond Warren at some point from Oscorp for what he describes as uh, experiments on spiders that were unauthorized and confiscated. Um, and basically just we get a little bit more information about whatever Raymond Warren was doing to completely tarnish his reputation and it clearly had something to do with spiders considering peter was bit at oscorp uh by a spider you know you can connect the dots raymond warren is probably responsible for creating spider-man bada bing bada boom now we know (laughs) (laughs) in any case raymond alludes to a new uh sort of research project that he's been working on And this is sort of his sell to Norman Osborn to say, like, okay, I get that, but I've got something even better. And actually, like, I can show you because one of Horizon's students, who we know to be Alexi, but if you didn't know, they do a little flashback so that you know it's Alexi, will be undergoing changes today. Which, fucking wild shit, dude. Like, I know that we've, it's been firmly established at this point, five episodes in, that, like, Norman is shady, but so wild that Raymond Warren can literally just go to this guy, Norman Osborne, and be like, yeah, so um, there's a teenager at the high school. Yeah, he's going to get fucked up tonight. And I did that. So um, just hang tight. You'll see. Like, what? <laughs> it's Yeah. Well, that's what? The, these are bad people. <laughs> right. Well, and it's almost like, you know. I'm, 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 it's a suspension of a disbelief thing, obviously. Like, I'm, I'll buy into it as a shorthand. Oh for yeah, yeah, yeah. Just how horrible and corrupt they are. But I, but, but it is funny. Like, think about like just marginally more realistically. I do. I think that like Norman would be really pissed at this because it's sort of like, wait, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be involved because I have no idea what precautions you took to make sure this is proper properly covered up that it doesn't come back to you. And if I just if I offer you a job through this, that it's not also going to come back to me. So like, fuck this, man. You just put it on a random student. Like yeah. that's too many levels of like complications because he really didn't. He doesn't even know who this kid is. We saw in the last episode they just high fived a random kid in the hallway yep. after trying to do it to Peter. 
after trying to do it to Max, which is like he was going to turn Max into a rhino. First well, that was so fucking short sighted. That was so <laughs> short sighted. Like, I yeah. still don't understand. And and I guess like we we at this point know that Raymond is also the jackal. We know that he's doing shady shit. We know that he was fired for it. So like we can't expect rational action from Raymond Warren. But still, like, damn, that would have been short-sighted. You're going to turn the headmaster of Horizon High into a rhino just, like, to see what happens? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, after having, like, you know, a meeting with him in person with witnesses so people will know that you were there and could and can connect. And you're also a well-known genetic scientist right. who was also well-known <laughs> for, like, doing some shady shit. Where you like, were going to ask for a job where this guy would be your boss. Like, he was, he for, in seconds, he went from, like... Can I work here where you're my boss? To I'm going to, well, fine. I'm going to turn you into a rhino. <laughs> like, yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> like, I guess, I mean, it's the only, you know, the only way that it makes sense is that he is just like almost your prototypical mad scientist. Yeah. He just comes off as, as a more kind of stable guy. So it really is just like, oh, you're not going to give me a job? Guess I'll just turn you into a rhino, dick. Like, <laughs> And I think, I think that, I think you can put the pieces together. And by this point, having seen and heard enough of the things that Raymond Warren has done that you can, if you just give it a moment of thought, you get to the point where you're like, okay, well clearly this is not a rational thinking guy. Yeah, um, and yeah. then things start to make sense where you're like, okay, you're reactionary, you're impulsive um, and you experiment on people and teenagers. So like clearly anything you do, I guess I can buy into because you're an explicitly bad guy. Um, but it's yeah. wild because, you know, in spectacular, we did get a little bit of the like icky experimenting on, on humans through like power dynamics, but that felt that felt gross through the power dynamics. This feels gross because it's like literally just some like kid in a hallway and he's like gleeful about like what he could potentially accomplish by fucking this kid up so hard. Yeah. Like, damn. Like damn. like spectacular Miles Warren was like either like a lawful or neutral evil kind of person. <laughs> this dude is like a fucking straight up chaotic evil. Yeah. Like, I'm good. I will I'll turn anybody into a rhino. I, whatever. Yeah. Hey, you want to be a rhino? Fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I actually do think Norman's response, though, like, again, you, everything you were saying about, like, realistically, totally on point. But I do think in this universe, Norman's response makes sense and will end up being affirmed by the end of the episode because he doesn't agree to any of this. He doesn't really commit to any of it. He just he basically says, show me what you got and then we'll talk about employment. Which That's I do true. think is fully in line with the fact that this is the headmaster of a school where you have to audition for your spot. And he's totally willing to watch you fight somebody to get in. Like, he didn't promise he didn't promise Clayton and Herman anything either. He just yeah. pushed them and wanted to see what happened. So I think it, it's it's in line. It's just it's just all fucked up. And I guess in, in theory, too, like, he didn't say yes or no or I approve or don't approve to this stuff. Exactly. So, like, if it goes badly, at this point, since he hasn't offered him a job or made a deal with him, like, he's still like, oh, yeah, that's uh, – like, if, you know, if once word gets back to him or and people find out that uh, that Warren was responsible for all this, which the world does at the end of this episode, Norman could just be like, oh, yeah, I had a meeting with him today. How weird. That's wild. Exactly. What he a bad told me guy, about some anyway. research, but we didn't get into it. I I could never have known. Yeah, like you could see yeah. exactly how Norman would weasel out of it. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has like plausible deniability di- in the situation. So like, totally. actually, it's not. Yeah, it's not even even realistically like 
if he's not as as bad as I was thinking it would be. Like he's just that amoral that he just really doesn't care. Yeah, it's the it's it's. I am surprised at how fucked up some of these bad guys are, given some of the other elements of the show. But it does make sense because we called out like in the first episode that Alistair and Spencer were almost like caricaturistically. Uh, which is not a word, but they're basically like caricatures of villains. And so there must be more complicated villains on the horizon. And here they are, you know, these are explicitly bad guys, but I do think there's a bit more complexity to what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I, agree. I I like, I mean, you know, five episodes in, I think we've gotten a pretty good, a good spectrum of types of bad guys that, that they can have on this show. Cause they've uh-huh. gotten just your typical, like, like twirling mustache bad guys. You've also got, you're sort of like punch clock bad guys and you've got your black cats that are just like, I just want to steal and have fun. And then you've got your Norman Osborns and Raymond Warrens that are just like amoral fucking pieces of yep. shit. Yep. Um, it's not like they're looking to do bad things. It's just that they don't care what they do to accomplish whatever it is they're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and we still haven't got really gotten like a true, like tragic villain yet. Like Alexi kind of is a little bit, but not like, but so even even then we've got like he's kind of a tragic villain in that it's like he's not responsible for it. But we haven't gotten we haven't even gotten your kind of typical Spider-Man right. tragic villain yet. So like it's kind of fun that they're they're kind of going through the variety of, of types of villains that mm-hmm. they can have so far. I think yeah. you're really taking advantage of of the rogues gallery and the different places they can pull characters from or have them established in. Totally. Well, like I mentioned, this was happening just down the hallway from where Peter and Harry were. And we learn it in this moment because after Raymond Warren leaves, we see that they're just in like a home hallway. Norman steps out of the office they were in. And then Peter and Harry step out of what was Harry's bedroom. And they're all just in the same hallway, which turned me around. (laughs) I was like, that's weird. But I guess it's all the same building if it's the Osborns, you know, so whatever. But in any case, Norman steps into the hallway. He asks for a word with Harry before the boys leave for the dance. And so we go back into the office, this time with Norman and Harry. And Norman starts on a good foot, basically by, like, congratulating Harry on being exonerated. He reinforces what we kind of already knew in that he always knew Harry was innocent. But then he sort of has this um, not-so-celebratory turn and asks why Harry would return to Horizon after Norman built literally an entire school with their family's name on it to spare Harry any embarrassment. And then jabs even further by saying, like, if you go back to Horizon High, how will that make us and our name look? So there's there's the Norman you and I have been wondering about. Like, yeah. where's the Norman that is sort of, like, emotionally manipulating and abusing Harry? Mm-hmm. It's different than a lot of the ones we get, but it's, but it's there. It's not necessarily in comparison to Peter or like the sort of jabs about underachieving or not being good enough. In this case, it's just fully leaning into the guilt and the family name of it all. And this gets to Harry, like as it, as, as intended and as it would realistically. Yeah. He's in in every universe. He's bad dad, always a bad dad, totally bad bad dad all around. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I I love the scene a lot because I really do. I know it's not it's not like it's not like the most subtle of symbolism or anything, but the bow tie stuff I think is is a really really nice touch. Get into it. 
because so basically while he's going through all of this, you know, Norman is like, yeah, Norman's like, I built this whole school for you. And I like I think he says like I he's like, you will always have the name I provided you. Like it was like a gift that he gave him. Like, fuck you, dude. It's like you didn't even give birth to him. Like, come on. And you didn't create the name Osborne. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, I don't know. Maybe he did. He could have, I guess. It's just like, fuck off. That's like one of those things that like abusive parents do yeah even like non-abusive parents but like parents that maybe use abusive tactics sometimes yeah will do where it's just sort of like well i made you like i created you like you have my name you owe everything in your life to me for creating you and i'm like i didn't i didn't ask you to create me so like why <laughs> yeah it's something society teaches parents to do even though parents don't always realize it's being taught to them so like yeah it's it's uh it's not a it's not a like universally cultural thing but it is certainly a thing in cultures that is is injected through societal expectations so yeah yeah, like not every parent who is constantly abusive is like immune from using some of these tactics because it's just like the social norm Yeah, my, my parents definitely did it when I was a kid, and I, and I, I think they, they meant it in the most, like, benign way possible. Of course. They didn't mean for it to be, like, traumatic or whatever. Right, right. Um, but it is still just sort of like, like, you do what I say just because you're required to because you owe everything in your life to me. And that's, like, a weird <laughs> – Exactly. That's such a weird burden that, like, we put on kids. Like, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's strange when you interrogate it. Not even a little. Yeah. You, like, you only, you only have to think about it for a little bit, and it starts feeling real weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's worse, and it's worse in this case – because Norman mm-hmm. Osborne, his name is also on the company that he owns and the school that he's making Harry go to. Like exactly. it's everywhere. Like they put they put so much weight on the name Osborne. Um, so that's really you know it's it's awful for Harry and it makes but it's really smart for the show to do because it's sort of like yeah. the walls closing in on Harry and it's sort of like well I guess I have to be an Osborne. I don't know what else I can do. <laughs> it would be very strange even in a real world setting and and this happens. This this definitely happens in real life it's weird that harry wouldn't go to this school just like it's weird and and this isn't wrong i say it's weird because it's the expectation not because it's wrong but it it comes across as weird to people or people qualified as weird when like a school president's kid doesn't go to the school that they are president of you know what i mean like even yeah. even that sort of relationship i feel like in the real world is treated as weird in this universe it's probably and they don't address this and i don't think they will because their their dynamic relies too much on it not being interrogated too much but just the fact that harry's best friend in the entire world wouldn't go to osborne academy is strange in and of itself and i think yeah. would be the type of things that people would question given the sort of celebrity status of the Osbournes and the Osborne name. So it, it makes sense. This pressure that Harry feels for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's really well done. And and then the touch that I was talking about that I really like is, you know, we had that conversation just a couple of minutes ago of like, you know, Peter couldn't tie his bow tie and Harry's like, just, I just use a clip on and I love it. It's great. It's fine. And then Norman, of course, when he's giving this whole guilt trip speech to Harry, removes his blue clip-on bow tie and then gives Harry the bow tie that Norman was wearing, which is like a traditional traditional bow tie, a red one, um, but like a traditionally tied one and, and puts it on Harry without asking Harry for it, without even noting that, like, I'm going to do this. He just he just does it. He just takes mm-hmm. the tie off and replaces it. And it's, it is very much just sort of like, I control you. I'm going to make you in my image. You're going to do what I say and you're going to follow my path and become me and you don't have a choice in the matter. And Harry just has to kind of stand there and take it. And I think it's just a really, it's just a really nice touch. I think Mm -hmm. that the show does like a nice visual reinforcement of just like this, 
terrible position that Harry is in right now. And I think like helps you understand the decision that he makes shortly after that otherwise, you know, could feel kind of awkward, but it ends up making perfect sense for his character because he's just in in such a shitty position. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is the most ordinary uh, and least spectacular sort of example of the knowing your place and questioning your place. Like we literally see Harry comfortable with a choice that he's made you know he's even advocating for and then he has that completely taken away from him which throws everything into sort of turmoil which is exactly what they establish early on about the characters in the show which is that you know some of these people are going to find their place some of them are not um, and it's sort of like what happens after that really defines who they are and where they go so Harry man Harry is going to be such a fascinating character in this show and I'm so excited I really love what they're doing with him because Harry is such a character that I, th- I think would be it, it can be so easy to get wrong because it's like rich kid with bad dad and and bad friend become bad like and I love that they're handling this in such a like it's it's still a lot of that in sort of broad strokes but they they're handling it really elegantly and I think doing it in such a way that allows you to have so much sympathy with with Harry and, you know, they're doing it without, like, as much as I, I love Spectacular Spider-Man and I even really like a lot of what they did with Harry in that show, you still get a lot of moments of Harry just, like, saying something, like, evil under his breath <laughs> or whatever sometimes. Yeah. Um, and this show just makes you fully love Harry. And, like, the most, like, resentful stuff that you get is stuff that anybody would be resentful about, that it makes sense for anyone exactly. to, to be mad about. So, yeah, I, I really like what they're doing with him. I do, too. I'm I'm excited. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our Spectacular Enough patrons, Katie, Joe, Mike, Flux, Eric, Carl, and Lillian. If you would like to join our Patreon, we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you. We have our Spider Bites, where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the Spider-Man universe, such as comics, like the current Miles Morales series, and classics like Kraven's Last Hunt. Sometimes we do deep dives into Spider-Man stuff, like our miniseries on the unmade Spider-Man movies. Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain or how we make certain episodes. And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more. Ultimately, these are the types of things that we're going to talk about anyway, so recording it and making it available on Patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate that too. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. So after after the bow tie stuff, uh, Harry and Peter do end up leaving for the dance. Uh, Norman does sort of throw out a like, so please, you know, please tell me you'll go to Osborne Academy. Harry doesn't actually commit to anything. He literally just says, I'll think about it and then walks out. So next thing we get to is the dance itself. This is where I was like, oh, so they're not going to go to Raymond Warren's at all? But I don't know why I thought that. So (laughs) right to the dance. And the first thing we see is Alexi, who, again, only person excited about the dance in the entire school. (laughs) And he's got his tie tied around his his forehead because he's covering up his pimple. And he's like flailing around, like waving this tie around. Seems like a fun guy. 
yeah. probably yeah. seems like a lot to to sort of handle in large doses, but it seems like a fun guy. The Get fact the... that he's literally doing this like theoretically without having any alcohol too like this is mm-hmm. just his natural this party is just state. alexi's state of mind like this is he's just also, who he is he's a party star also, you know yeah he's also like oh this this is my song and then they even bring it up later that it's his favorite song yep. and the song is just like the most generic club just, beats mm, imaginable mm, mm, yep literally anything with a beat <laughs> alexi's here for i love it it's so good love it love it love it so he's he's cutting it up on the dance floor and then we shift over a little bit uh, in the room to Gwen, who is standing with her uncle Raymond, and she thanks Raymond Warren for volunteering to chaperone, which I will say is a little weird uh, that, you know, you can volunteer for something and not be allowed to do it. So not really sure, like, why Raymond Warren is, like, approved to even chaperone this event, but whatever. Maybe Max feels bad. <laughs> yeah, and his niece goes, and she probably vouches for him and stuff, so that, yeah. that could have been an entire off-screen conversation that happened, you know? Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So, I mean, it makes sense that Raymond Warren's gonna be there, so ultimately he needed to get there somehow. So, I mean, unless he's watching on monitors, but that would be weird. So he's there, he's watching with <laughs> his own eyes, and his watch ends up beeping, and just as it starts beeping, Alexi begins to have like a headache or experience head pain. And Miles asks him what's wrong. Actually, you know what? I should point this out because we didn't mention it before. Miles checked on Alexi when Alexi ran away thinking he had a pimple. And then in this moment, Alexi stops dancing and like grabs his head. And Miles again is like, are you okay, Alexi? And then Alexi runs out of the room and Miles like runs after him. We're getting like not a lot of direct Miles content, but I do think they're sort of in little bits and pieces giving us an idea of like what this version of Miles Morales is like. And he's such a like sweet, like bright, yeah. sunny disposition, chill kid. Like <laughs> just it's yeah. like it's so nice. He's always the one being like, Are you okay? <laughs> like It's really cute. Yeah. I like he's really cute. I mean, that sounds so condescending, but he is. He's just No, he he's is. Like he's like cutest. a cute kid. Like he's, he's just a very like cute kid. Yeah. a bubbly like he's He's the only character on this show so far that I would I would describe as as sort of like bubbly. Like but he is, you know? Yeah. Like he's just yeah. happy to see his friends. He's happy to work on projects. Uh and he like gives everybody the benefit of the doubt and he's never like super stressed. Like he's just like a really charming, bubbly kid. <laughs> it's yeah, very like cool. The one- the one kid out of the main group that doesn't seem to have like any baggage whatsoever, which (laughs) worries me dearly. (laughs) I know. I know. We'll see. And this is, you know, again, this is like pre miles Morales, like uh, explosion into the mainstream. So I honestly have no idea what this version of miles Morales is going to be like, like, I don't know what their perspective on him is. So I, I, I also have no idea. They could do things with miles in this series that they would never ever consider doing with him after you know, into the Spider-Verse or the Miles Morales video game. So right, right. very, very interested to see. Um, it's probably also the reason that we're not seeing as much of him. You know, we see way more Anya, at least directly than we do of Miles. But it's these little mm-hmm. moments that make me really like him. Yeah, same, same. So Alexi ends up running away from the dance. And we we briefly sort of like let that sit because Peter hops on the mic uh, <laughs> that is on stage and starts giving like a speech, almost like a groomsman speech or like a best <laughs> yeah. man speech about yeah. Harry returning, which was the first time I really thought like, it actually is very bizarre that they're throwing a dance because a student returned to the school. 
I mean, I guess I don't know how big the student body is. The student body could literally just be everybody in the room, which would be like maybe a couple dozen people, in which case, okay, yeah, that feels pretty significant. But uh, it wasn't until Peter started giving like a speech on a stage that I was like, maybe this is an overreaction, Max. Maybe this is a little much. (laughs) They've also like literally never had a dance before. So maybe they really just don't know what you're supposed to do at dances. So it's just like... (laughs) I mean, I went to a wedding once, and they gave speeches, so we give a speech at dances too, right? And they they dance at the wedding, so we're dancing, so we're giving a speech. I mean, I would like to think that this dance was planned entirely by Max and Alexi. Like, I can buy that. No one else was excited. You know what I mean? definitely. So the fact that it's sort of, like, overblown and, like, the two people who are even remotely open to this idea are explicitly, like, pumped about it. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> it's the so reason they're funny. all wearing tuxedos. <laughs> they all they do be looking good though. They look yeah. so good. Everybody looks look so good sharp. in this episode. They all look real sharp. For kids who absolutely did not want to go to a dance, they they found their fashion sense great. Like that, <laughs> this show, this show is not using its fashion to tell us stories. Like that is not no, like true. their character design does, but unlike Spectacular, where they would like play with Gwen's fashion to sort of like tell us about her growth and like where she was this show's not doing that <laughs> they're no, all fashionable every... kids on a tv show <laughs> yeah they either, which is fine like, it's that's the standard yeah i mean yeah it's totally fine they all either look <laughs> yeah extremely modern and fashionable or they're just like in a hoodie like exactly <laughs> yeah even that's, that's even it. like otto octavius who is like i don't know like 19 or wh- however old he's supposed to be is just like a kid in khakis and like a nice sweater like it's just like uh, it's it's. I hadn't thought about it until we were just talking about their tuxedos and stuff. But yeah, they really don't tell fashion stories here. Which again, yeah. that's the standard. It's fine. But it's fine. It's it makes funny. it more like like live action TV. Honestly, yeah. like what teen show are you gonna watch where a kid doesn't look totally glamorous, even if they're supposed to be like exactly or nerdy or whatever? Like yeah. It, yeah. And it lets them do <laughs> things like this where they all get to wear tuxedos, which. Yeah, I don't know about cute. you. I did not have a tuxedo in high school. <laughs> not one that I owned. <laughs> no, not one I owned. Absolutely not. <laughs> Rent that shit for prom and that's oh, it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So we get this little bit about or this little bit of like Peter giving a speech or whatever. He tells a joke. Everybody laughs, whatever. It's very corny. Very best man, like I said. But while this is happening... We get to follow up with Alexi, who ran out of the room. He's now in the bathroom, and we see that that pimple, we expected this, I am certain. Yeah. Um, but the pimple on his forehead starts growing into a horn, and we actually see his full transformation happen in the bathroom. Yeah. I know it's kind of hokey, but I like the way that Peter's speech lines up with what's happening to Alexi. Like, it's on the nose, but I, but they didn't need to do that, and I think it's cute. Like, it's like we felt something, something that wasn't there before as, uh-huh. as Alexi literally grows a horn on his head. Yep. <laughs> and it's like it was a void that was getting bigger as yeah. Alexi literally gets bigger. It's writery, and it's, like, cute. It's I like it's it. It's cute. I'll say it's cute. I don't yeah. dislike it, but I'll 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 leave it at cute. <laughs> yeah, I like I I like that kind of stuff. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I what I okay, so this is our first look at Rhino. Um I will say this. Yeah. I like the design of this character. I don't like it as a Rhino design, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
you know, he looks more like a he he. I feel like I get horse more from him than I oh. get rhino. Weirdly, I in all some I could ways. think of was just troll. He just to me looked like a Ooh. general sort of like fantasy troll, yep, which is probably it. what they were going for, and that's fine. But it's it's definitely. I mean, honestly, it's probably at the bottom of the list of all the rhino interpretations I've seen. Yeah, I can't I think agree. of and and granted, I have not seen them all, but I don't know. Like it's it's. It's certainly a choice. I appreciate the big swing. I appreciate them explicitly doing something different. And I don't dislike the design. It's just in the context of like, this is this universe's Rhino. I'm like, eh, yeah, eh, I'm not, a, I'm not eh. a huge fan either. And it's funny. Cause he even has like some characteristic Rhino attributes that like other standard or more traditional Rhino characters don't like, he even has like Rhino, like ears, but the ears mm-hmm. kind of are what make him look like a troll or like an orc. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're totally right. Yeah, it definitely reads more like that than, like, genetically engineered rhino <laughs> creature thing. Yeah. Yeah. I do – the only other one – the only – I don't know if there's others that exist, but the only other version of rhino that is also, like, a genetically engineered rhino that I know of is is from the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon that came right before this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've seen an episode with him in it yet but i've seen like images and stuff in some in like gifs and video of it i do think i like this design better than that one only because i think that one is just like hella ugly um <laughs> but it's that's kind of a low bar like i just i don't know it's it's weird to me because i feel like you can do what you could do a really 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 cool genetically engineered rhino design yeah. and it's it's honestly feels really easy so it's kind of i don't really understand why they went with this direction with it like the troll more troll like direction it's like his face is almost too human like i feel like it's it's like it's you know it's obviously got like a weird shape to it that's supposed to be a little more evocative but it's still like really flat like and i feel like they should have just at if they just at least added more of a rhino like nose to it a little bit or something like more protruded like a more protruding face maybe it would look like balance a little better i don't know i do think well i think that's part of the challenge with the rhino design in general because ultimate i think has a similar vibe where it's like the face is what's off to me like i like this design better generally from a character design standpoint than i like the ultimate that precedes this but as far as rhino designs go like again in context i do like ultimates better but both of them have a weird human face component and i think the reason it feels weird is because they're not a guy in a suit like rhino sort of is like they're not stuck in a suit it's their actual body and so when when it when you can sort of identify or your brain can wrap itself around the fact that rhino is a guy in a suit it doesn't matter that it looks like he has a human face but to make him not have a human face when that's sort of the traditional design it i don't know it just it it I feel like they probably feel like it would be too far away from from the reference. Yeah. I don't yeah, necessarily I mean, think it would. I say go full on like yeah. mutant rhino or like, you know, do what Batman Beyond would do with like a rhino spliced human or just go full furry rhino. Like if that's, that's I, yeah. if that's what you're doing, just go for it. It doesn't you don't have to keep the human face part. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think it's the problem is that it kind of stops too short. Like if you're 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 already doing a radical you know, a radical take on the rhino by making him a genetically engineered rhino, which is fine. It's cool. So go for it. Like, yeah. you can't, yeah. Like Aim don't... for the home run, not the wall. Yeah, yeah. Hire some furry writers on your art d- design team, <laughs> character design team for these types of characters, and they will knock it out of the park every time. Yeah. I'm not joking. If you, no, no, no. Any time, I, I, I know you're not. <laughs> anytime that, that there's ever been, like, you know, anytime that there's, there's been, like, games with, like, really good anthropomorphic characters, like, 
it's often that you'll find that it was someone who was already like a furry or doing furry art before getting the job that got the job and they did it really good. They were because you they, well, they know what it's... to look for and they know the proportions to right. look for and the things that work and the things that just look off and, and, and uncanny valley and stuff and the stuff that works. It's the aesthetic that they've immersed themselves in. Like, of course they're going to do well at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, man. Yeah. But I do, I, again, I, I, I like this design for a different character or a different show. It just, it feels sort of weird here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I guess, you know, we're always going to comment on the design of the villain, especially for these ones that we've seen multiple iterations of. And at this point, we've seen many iterations of Rhino. So, uh, yeah, yeah. New Rhino for our catalog. Yeah, and he's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> My only question really is, like, how if are they going to bring him back for anything? And if so, how? Like, I don't really know. Well, my um, question is, like, am I going to like the design better if they bring Rhino back and there is, like, a further transformation? Like, is this a half step? Is this, like, a proto-Rhino? Because uh, I could see that. he He's sort of – he's almost, like the, – the only word I can think of is, like, soft. But I mean that in the sense that, like, <laughs> even, his, even his horn isn't really that sharp. Like, he's just yeah. a rounded kind of – like his his edges are round, um, yeah. so I wouldn't be surprised if if yeah they brought it back. I don't know how they would do that given how this yeah. ends, but uh, I could see them kind of amping up the design if they do. That would be cool. I think I know the answer to it, but we'll see. We'll I mean, see. I I feel like I wouldn't get too far off if I guessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's Rhino, everybody. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, he turns into a rhino in the bathroom. He hasn't emerged just yet because we have to see, first, Harry taking the mic after having to deal with this very long speech about how great he is and how God, much he was missed. What a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, what a nightmare that Harry has found himself in. I, I do not envy this kid whatsoever. Seriously, because, you know, he just heard all this stuff about how terrible it was without him. And it was a huge void and everyone missed him. And he's the best person in the world and the best friend in the world. And we're so at, glad that he's back. At an expensive <laughs> event thrown specifically for him. Yep. The first dance the school has ever had. Yep. For him and only him specifically. And, and he goes to the mic and is like, this is cool. I'm not coming back here because I'm staying at Osborne Academy. Sorry. Bye. But you know what's weird? Like, I still think this would be better than doing it after the dance because then it's sort of like, wait, so you let us throw you a whole dance and, like, celebrate you and talk about how great you are only to be like, JK. Like, there is no good way for Harry to handle this. Like, that's, like, that's the nightmare of it is, like, there is no circumstance that other than staying at Horizon, which in itself would be a nightmare. Like, this poor yep. kid, this poor kid, and he's shown no signs of being malicious whatsoever. Like, I think Peter yep. is, like, a more offensive person in this show than Harry, and Peter is not even offensive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's wild. This kid is so, like, <laughs> this poor kid. He's just going to get beaten down until he's a villain. Like, That's, the, yeah, this exactly. whole show is going to be his origin story. If I was if I was in his shoes, I probably would become a supervillain too. Like that guy already. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> honestly, at this point, this 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 terrible, embarrassing night would have been my supervillain origin story. Exactly. Oh, this poor kid. I mean, luckily he doesn't have to dwell in the awkwardness of it all. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, because Rhino just sh- charges out and out of the bathroom into the dance and just rampages. Yeah. At this high school dance. Back to the dance floor where he belongs. <laughs> True. Yeah. 
<laughs> so we get Rhino charging into this dance, and of course, like chaos ensues. Uh, we get this moment, a- another another subtle Miles moment that I love. Peter ends up tackling Miles out of the way of like a table that's flying at them, and Miles just like stops and is like, "Wow, this whole thing is fascinating, isn't it?" And Peter is like, "What are you like? We're gonna die, Miles." <laughs> Miles, pay attention. Which, again, such an interesting take on Miles, given that they could do whatever they wanted at this point. But he's just like, this is great. And, of course, Peter's like, dude, snap out of it. And Miles is like, don't even worry about it. The rhino can't even see us. Probably. Rhinos have terrible eyesight. So his whole thing is like, I can admire the fascinating circumstances because that guy probably can't see me. Like, Miles, you you sweet little boy. (laughs) Right? And I... I love it because it's it's also such a nice mirror for Peter too because we spent you know the first few episodes just like just like oh yeah you know Peter if we didn't know him he would be really annoying and he's like all all over the place and super high energy and so obsessed with science and stuff and like the fact that in this situation like Peter is the mature yeah <laughs> the concerned no, that's one just such like, a good point child what are you doing we're gonna die like mm-hmm. it's it's such a nice role reversal for what we've seen for peter up to this point and it's like okay you know what yeah peter actually wasn't as immature as we thought he was he's actually I mean, pretty cool <laughs> even just the sort of like i don't know if i'm using this term properly but like even just the blocking of their interaction where miles is just like comfortably on the ground and peter's sort of like standing over him in like a defensive stance like you can you can feel exactly how responsible peter feels for miles in that moment but also yeah. how frustrated he is the fact that like miles does not feel responsible for himself like it's it's just it's it's such a like i know that's not the the entire point of this interaction but it's it's hard for me to ignore because i feel like it says so much about the two of them uh in in a really in miles own word fascinating way (laughs) yeah it's a really cool dynamic to establish here because it feels like you know an annoyed big brother dynamic even though they're probably roughly the same age yeah um which isn't that much more experienced than that's such a good idea for this show holy Mm -hmm. shit oh yeah it's like if you're if you're not going to have a significantly older peter with a younger miles and you have to have them the same age then you can still play up the dynamic of them feel of Peter's role still sort of totally. being the older brother kind of role. Oh, by making Miles sort of like a wide-eyed sort of airheaded, not exactly, but just yeah. a sort of like carefree sort of lackadaisical-ish kind of kid. Yeah. Like, he's not stupid. No. He's not. He's not even like naive or immature. He is just like chill and carefree to a fault. Exactly. And that's sort of like his main flaw, <laughs> but still smart enough and probably heroic enough to do cool stuff when he inevitably gets spider powers. So like, yeah, what a, what a cool way to handle that. Yeah, no, he's yeah, he's always in the middle of things like, yeah, it's not that he's unwilling. It's just and even in this case, he's not unwilling to do something. He's just like, yeah, we got time. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what's yeah. in, what they obviously wanted to get to was the fact that Miles is telling Peter that the rhino probably has really bad eyesight. That's what ends up getting used moving forward. <laughs> yeah. 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 So using this new information, Peter turns the dance floor lights all the way up in an attempt to kind of stun the rhino with like with bright light and give him a moment of confusion so that Peter can run off to change into Spider-Man. 
He shows back up. I don't know if anyone ever questions how Spider-Man is at their dance, but that's fine. That's a very Spider-Man thing. I don't um, think this show has done that very much at all, though, so far. Like, I don't think anybody's done the... And, and they will inevitably. I feel like it always happens. But no one's really done the, like, why is Spider-Man always here thing? Granted, we're yeah. five episodes into this story, but it is, you know, some 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 properties get, like, immediately to it. I think it's more notice. It's normal. I mean, it happens in every Spider-Man thing, right? But I think mm-hmm. it's it's just more noticeable here because so much action takes place within schools that Peter Parker is at. Yeah, he's already <laughs> shown up like a full handful of times to the school. Yeah, like it's not like it's just a, a villain in the city that Spider-Man is obviously going to show up to. It's like a very specific insular event in an indoor building that he shows up for, and that's really Dude. suspect. You know so. how I, I I posited like what if Max already knows that Peter is Spider Man and is just like letting him live his life? Mm-hmm. What if like I don't know that I I don't I don't know that I have feelings on this either way, but like what if it turns out that like just the whole student body was kind of like yeah obviously you're Spider Man like we all know <laughs> yeah I don't know like yeah at I least don't... his inner circle I wouldn't be surprised at least one of them is going to find out before he tells them. Yeah, I think it would. I wouldn't be surprised if, for at least some of them, if not all of them, it's a case where it, I, I don't feel like anybody knows yet, other than maybe Max. But I feel like for most of them, I think they will find out before he tells them. Um, yeah. I agree with that. I, I, I could. Yeah. I mean, I can give you the order that I expect. Like, I'm, I'm assuming Max knows, but that's more of like a fan theory than it is like evidence based. But as far sure. as the inner circle, I would probably put my money on like Gwen, Anya, and then Miles has to be told. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he's such a like, oh. Or I could see the reverse where Miles is the first one to know, but is so chill that he's, that it's just like, wait, Miles, you knew? And it's just like, oh yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like whatever. That's true. That Actually, you're right. That could work <laughs> the same way because you could play on some of their characteristics where like Miles is the first one to know and he's chill about it. And he just like, or he finds out and Spider-Man's like, you can't tell anyone. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And then the, you know, the girls find out and they're like, Miles, you knew? Like, what the heck? That would be um, funny. I, yeah. There, actually, I there's so. so many different ways you could do it. That would be fun. I will say I doubt that Anya finds out first, but even that you could do cool stuff with because she's the most antagonistic of his friends. Yeah. And has a, a bone to pick with Spider-Man. I like, yeah, I like I like how they've set it up a little bit. Like, because it is, it is different, I think, than a lot of Spider-Man high school stuff because you aren't really expecting most people to know he's Spider-Man, but because the core cast in this case are all characters that are also spider people. Like, yeah, you know, they're going to know eventually. (laughs) Yeah. It's inevitable that they all will. So it's a lot more of a question of like how everyone's going to get inducted into it, which is a different kind of excitement than who is going to be the only one of Peter's friend group that maybe finds out, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do not expect them at all to do, a like we're all spider people and we're all avoiding telling each other but even though we're all friends like that would be horrible they're all gonna know like that's yeah uh, (laughs) i do i do like your idea of like the whole student body just kind of quietly knows like that's the i would that's like kind of like it the more i think about it that's what they did with buffy in high school because it was sort of like there was never like a big coming out moment for her it was just like by the end of of the by the by the end of their senior year in the show it was just like Oh yeah, I mean we know she's the we don't really understand what's going on, but we know she's the one who always saves people and kills the monsters. So like, there you go. Like it's just like no it's just like a part of life. Yeah. Like it's not well, a big unmasking thing. And it would be funny if a school full of geniuses is just like, "Oh yeah, that's just like his side job that he has." Well, and I I would love it if it was the I mean the reveal is not to them, it's to Peter. Like Peter assuming that nobody knows and then everybody knows, but like just imagine and granted this this is like 
it's a little cliche and it definitely is a thing we've seen in Spider-Man and before um, in movies specifically, but like, imagine the moment that you could, you could create in like a finale or a big, you know, big moment where like Peter learns that everybody knows because the whole student body is like, no, 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 he's ours. Like fuck off. You know what I mean? We see it in comics, we see it in movies, but like it would still get me. It gets me every time in the movies. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I don't think that's actually what's going to happen, but I do think it would be fun. I don't think it will. Yeah, I do think it will be fun. If it doesn't happen in this show and you end up, whoever is listening to this ends up working on a Spider-Man thing and want to take that idea. Yeah, I wouldn't, I would, I I would love to see it in some capacity if it's established well. I think it would be fun. If it doesn't happen in the show. Yeah. And it would be (sighs) fine and low stakes because we don't learn about any of the other students anyway most of the time. Yeah. So if you revealed that, you could pretty much just forget that it happened. (laughs) Exactly. So, or at least not address it ever again. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, Spider-Man's here now, and nobody questions it. They, uh, Spidey and Rhino battle for a bit. Spidey is able to, like, eventually knock Rhino out in their fight sequence. Um, so uh, Rhino's all totally knocked out. So it's like, oh, yeah, cool. Uh, Supervillain subdued for the time being, I guess. Anya, however, shares that she found Alexi's kind of tattered, shredded clothes and is like, uh, like this, some, like this, this is weird. And Alexi's mis- mix it missing. All he can find are the remnants of his clothes. And Miles is like, <laughs> the Rhino ate him. <laughs> I think he just like, I think he probably doesn't have a filter, and I like it. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> like he would get there, he'd figure it out. <laughs> That's like also kind of like a reasonable conclusion to come to like there's a monster and there's the remnants of a person that person might have been eaten by the monster i make sense i get it yeah but uh but anya's uh anya anya has her suspicions um and actually is like conveniently like i was actually already working on a retinal scanner (laughs) of course you were i i guess has the database of all students at horizon high and it all loaded into it i guess Sure, I'll, I'll take it. On, so far, Anya's sciencing is a bit confusing because aside from pre-us knowing Gwen, Gwen's been pretty consistent as far as like what she does. I mean, they, they really do reinforce that like her thing is genetics. Yeah. And Harry is the same way. They I, they really reinforce that his thing is chemistry. They don't commit to anything with Peter. Peter is just a generic genius. Miles <laughs> and Anya, they were introduced to us as physics people like that was their thing and this has nothing to do with that (laughs) a retinal scanner has nothing to do with it the only other projects we've seen her working on is the um i mean outside of group or class settings is the vibranium thing where she's trying to recreate vibranium and what was the other thing the the emp blaster gauntlet thing oh yeah 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 so which which i guess you could argue could be related to the vibranium thing, depending on how it was constructed. Yeah. But this really has nothing to do with that. And Miles, we really don't get to see do a lot of science independently. The only thing we've seen him do is the security robot independently. So I'm hoping they tighten up those two because we see a little bit of what you and I were hoping for, which is where each one is allowed to have a specialty and then they become integral in certain situations. So far, Anya has been kind of like anything necessary in the moment and miles has been left out of it a little bit but we'll see again still pretty early yeah so she's got a retinal scanner for some reason honestly i wonder if that's like a consent issue if she has a database of all horizon high students in it i'm not going to go there either way she's able to scan the rhino's eyes and confirm that it is still alexi 
Um, so it's it's Alexi that turned into the rhino, and they're like, what? That's wild. But since they're, you know, geniuses, they're like, all right, Harry's going to work on a tranquilizer and an antidote to reverse Alexi's transformation. Um, and meanwhile, Spidey's like, I'm going to hit that old dusty trail so I can come back as <laughs> Peter Parker. So he, uh, Peter's back. The police arrive. There are no adults at this dance, apparently, because the teens are handling everything. Uh, Max first... fell out of a window and is still screaming. <laughs> Nobody's going to catch him. There's no sh- Raymond, the, the disgraced scientist, it was the only chaperone at this entire dance, I guess. <laughs> yeah, where are, well, I mean, I, I can assume Raymond left or snuck out or something. Yeah. Well, actually, we learned that. But yeah, Max, where are you at? <laughs> yeah, Max, where you we at? saw Where's you. You were there. <laughs> Where's literally any teacher, any other chaperone? No, I okay. mean, the, the only other instructor we've ever been introduced to is Otto Octavius, and there is no way he's going to this dance. <laughs> Not yeah. a single chance. Cool. So the the kids are handling it, including and I, this, this is the uh, time when Miles takes charge. So he's like, "I'll talk to the police. It's fine. You, uh, Peter, Harry, and Gwen, you guys go work on the antidote. Um, I'll explain all this stuff to the to the police and keep an eye on the rhino." I like this. Um, this makes sense. I do Harry is too. a chemist, Gwen is a geneticist, and Peter's our protagonist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the only reason I, I he's there. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Anya isn't like, I'm going to use my special non-physic-related invention to cure him. Like, mm-hmm. nope. The people who make sense. I, I wonder know. if this show is going to ever feel compelled to give Peter a thing in the context of the school. Because I feel like you could without it being too limiting. Like, we don't have somebody whose thing is like biology and that would, I think work really well for Peter and would give him an excuse to do certain things that he does with regards to like webbing or adhesives or natural sort of, um, I don't know, natural solutions to things that he could use as Spider-Man. Obviously his spider gear is not all biological. In fact, most of it's not, but um, it would be a gap in their sort of friend group specialties. Or like just general like kind of engineering like like oh that would stuff. be good that would be even yeah. better oh that was so obvious I don't know why I didn't think of it well yeah I mean there is there is a gap with biology but I feel like they would just fold that in with genetic engineering stuff that Gwen does they would cover it between Gwen and Harry for sure yeah yeah so they're all working on on the antidote uh, Gwen realizes that the only person with experience bonding DNA like Alexi's uh, appears to have been is her. Uncle Raymond. <gasps> Big surprise. <laughs> <gasps> um, she's like, I gotta go. <laughs> um, and she just like runs out of the room. Yep. But meanwhile, Harry and Peter are analyzing Alexi's modified genetic sequence. And they realize that, oh, wait, Je- uh, Gwen is the, uh, you know, genetic engineering expert on this. So maybe she should have stayed here to help us. So... <laughs> Peter goes to kind of find her. Um, he learns from Anya that Gwen actually left the school for Raymond Warren's house because he, too, had also left. You know what I love about this and what I love about other instances of this that we kind of see is sort of this unintentionally, I think, established rule of this universe or this world that if you see multiple people at a computer, you can do literally anything you want and they will not notice you. <laughs> like moments after Gwen is like, I got to go. They're like, wait a second. We need Gwen. Get back here. But, like, they don't put it together because they're both staring at a computer screen. <laughs> That's very consistent. Yeah. And, and it's we see very, that I mean, in other points, too, where it's like a bunch of people around a computer. I can say or do whatever I want and they won't notice for another 10 seconds. 
it's just like shorthand, I guess, for like these are geniuses that are very involved in their work. Yes, they're very busy <laughs> very in this moment. Yeah, <laughs> they're locked in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so Spidey arrives at Raymond's house, and it's just as Gwen enters. By the way, I like the um the kind of tribal horns that they use for for the Jack Jackal's theme. Essentially, like it's really kind of subtle, but I like it. I like his door knocker. It yeah! looks like a goblin. <laughs> yeah, little goblin door knocker. That's also like it's funny too because like it's a CGI door knocker. Um, even though it doesn't really like move, but like it works because it actually makes it even more kind of like creepy and off putting. Yeah, because they can kind of do a little bit more detail in there. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, but yeah, speaking of, um, when when uh, Gwen enters, she finds the jackal in <gasps> Raymond Warren's house. So many surprises. Yeah. I mean, I legitimately didn't think this stuff would be revealed this early in the show, to, to be honest. So it kind of was a surprise. Um, just not, you know, this is not not the surprise that these characters are having. But yeah, so a, a fight erupts because Spidey and Jackal are in the same house. So they uh, they would fight. So they fight. Um, Gwen, meanwhile, goes and looks through Raymond's research and then finds video of Raymond transforming himself into the Jackal. Yeah. Um, so... All the pieces are together for these characters. She returns to Spidey and the Jackal. She jabs the Jackal with a diffuser serum, and the Jackal reverts right back into her Uncle Warren. Um, she gives Spidey even more of the diffuser, uh, which is just, I guess, just like a catch-all dif- gene diffuser. It's basically a gene cleanser. It's essentially a gene cleanser, right? That's pretty much what it is. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she gives Spidey the diffuser. Um, he thwips away while Gwen waits for uh, for the uh, now unconscious Raymond, or waiting with the unconscious Raymond for the police. Yes, I really like this next moment because Spider-Man returns to Horizon High, but as he's like swinging through the city to get there, he's talking with Harry on the phone, and Harry is basically like, "What's going on? Like, Alexi is awake again, and he's rampaging." And Spider-Man, talking as Peter, is like, oh, don't worry about it. Gwen made a diffuser serum, and he's sending it with. And then as he says that, <laughs> he swings up to the school, and Harry's like, Spider-Man. <laughs> I just love, like, consistently Harry's disdain for Spider-Man. Even even when Spider-Man is, like, explicitly showing up at Gwen's, like, request with the solution that is required to save Alexi. Like, it's just, yeah. I love it. And he doesn't even make a big deal about it. He's just like, oh, Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> had to be you. It had to be you. <laughs> Couldn't you have sent the Fantastic Four? <laughs> but anyway, Spider-Man does show up to Horizon High. He does find the Rhino awake and rampaging, just like Harry said. And he, you know, starts to starts to clash again. He, like, manages to get onto the Rhino's back, but can't get him calm enough to actually inject the diffuser until miles and anya roll out like the entire speaker system and like you said play alexi's favorite song which is just generic dance beat um (laughs) and this causes alexi to sort of like charge crash into that stuff kind of not fully knock himself out but you know throw him off enough that spider-man can inject the diffuser and rhino turns back into alexi who is confused and hoping that he didn't embarrass himself too much while he was partying. Yep, 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 yep. Later that night, Norman watches a news story exposing Raymond Warren as the culprit behind Alexi's transformation. 
and is linked to the recent Jackal incident. So all of, all of Raymond's dirty laundry is out there. <laughs> I guess, oh, you know what? Yeah, I guess Spider-Man could have filled him in. That's bold. I mean, that is bold. Because who who knows, who knows this, right? Gwen and Spider-Man. So either Gwen told the police at Raymond Warren's place, which is probably the case. Yeah. Or Spider-Man did. I hope it wasn't Spider-Man because that... That feels shitty. <laughs> I think. Gwen, I hope it was Gwen. <laughs> timing wise, it would make more sense for Gwen because she they they would have called the police right as Spider Man left, and then they probably got there by the time that Spider Man got back, and then still had to stop the Rhino and stuff. The police were already at the Rhino place, though. Oh, that's true. Well, I still right, I, I still think it makes more sense if it were Gwen, if only because I feel like it would be addressed if it were not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Norman says to himself, like, oh, yeah, Raymond was right. You would have made a good addition to Osborne Academy. There it is. There it is. Wow. <laughs> he didn't. Suck. He didn't like Raymond Warren until he realized that his experiments on teenagers could work. <laughs> God, what a... F- he's got... Uh, Norman's got some issues. He's, he's just gross. Like, I just want to see teenagers miserable. Yeah, <laughs> Basically, of it's his ultimate goal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he I mean it is it is all all very nice and and tidy and consistent basically like you said he's just amoral right so it's it's yeah. it's less like the actual outcome of the actions people are taking and more the willingness to accomplish right so like he wasn't necessarily impressed by the technology that Herman and Clayton made he was impressed that they were willing to take each other out to get into the school he's not necessarily impressed by the rhino He's just impressed at the lengths that Raymond Warren would go to to get back into things. And yeah. I think that's the reason he struggles with Harry is because Harry doesn't show that same sort of like conviction and willingness to sort of step on people to get what he wants. Or he just doesn't like what Harry wants. It's probably a little bit of both. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's just funny that all we've seen explicitly, like of of what Norman has done, like the people that he affects, are all are all just innocent teenagers, which is so much worse than you know him just you know being mean to his employees or like experimenting on criminals and stuff. Yeah, it's just like he's immediately like so much more amoral than than a lot of Normans <laughs> that we've seen just based on that. Even yeah. though he's like presented a little bit less evilly. In, in a lot of ways than other Normans, like he's actually worse. Cause he's like, I don't know. Yeah. If, if a 16 year old rando can die. Fine. Fine with me. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as it benefits us in some way, it's fine. Like the yeah. ends justify the means for him for sure. Granted, we don't know the relationship between all the adults yet. Not fully, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, everything we've seen to this point, he's so despicable. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So at Raymond's home, Gwen cleans up and Peter's there and she's basically like, I don't get why he would do this. Like, none of this makes sense to me. It's also confusing. And Peter shares his own theory and he shares it in the context of Uncle Ben's with great power comes great responsibility philosophy. And he says he's pretty sure or it seems like Raymond just lost sight of the responsibility that comes with the power. And he says, like, you know, to, to Gwen, who's, like, bummed that her her uncle is probably going to prison <laughs> uh, sure. and not going to be around. Uh, he says, you know, but even though somebody's gone, either literally or figuratively, they can still be present in your mind or your heart. And it's cuter than that because, you know, he says they can still be here and he points to her head and or here and points to his heart. 
and this is sort of like where we get another another instance or or appearance of the the formula and in this case it's because Gwen has noticed that he sewed the formula onto his backpack before and basically he has always wondered what it was and the subtext here is she always thought it must have been something important because mm-hmm. it's nonsense <laughs> as <laughs> yeah. a formula but it is yeah. a very very sweet moment um and i it's i really think sweet. it ties in in different words to what uncle ben was telling peter when he was young about people sort of losing themselves or losing sight or losing where they fit into things. And that's reflected in Peter's own theory about Raymond Warren. Yeah. I like this scene is really cute. It's really sweet. I like it. And it it ends with like when calling Peter, like an important friend and they hug. Um, It's a nice little bonding moment for them, which I like. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I really don't know, you know, if they're going to try to take this into a romantic direction or just a friendship direction. And both ways, I think it would be good set up for either of those things yeah um, but as as it stands i like i like building up their friendship because you know now right now she's probably the cl- she's probably the closest friend that he has at horizon just because of this like one bonding moment because every other relationship with everyone else has been either kind of surface or antagonistic so i uh, i like that a lot and i'm i'm excited to see uh where it goes further with them it's really sweet yeah yeah, I, I'm interested in that, too, because I wouldn't actually be surprised if there wasn't really any romance at all in this show, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be out of place either, you know? Yeah, yeah. I expect that there will be, because I feel like there can't, there's like never isn't. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Like I mean, like, if I had to bet, I would say it's going to be there, but yeah. so far they haven't really, I mean, I guess this would be what you could point to, yeah. but other than this, like, there hasn't really been any obvious stuff off the get-go like there's no like episode one like blushing moment it's not like when he met gwen he like had a weird sort of like whoa moment right that's what i kind of like about this about this moment because i feel like it does feel like a really genuine like just bonding moment that could go anywhere but i think it works just just (laughs) fine yeah as it is it's just a really nice moment of like friends learning to be better friends to each other because they get to know each other a little bit more yep So then our episode ends once again, kind of as it began, actually, with Peter and Harry hanging out at their favorite smoothie place. You know what I'm realizing? We keep calling this a smoothie place, and that's probably my fault, but I think it's just generally a coffee shop. They're just always drinking smoothies. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Because, yeah, because they do eat other food. I mean, smoothie shops can have other food there. They do. And I think there's, like, a coffee cup outside. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, you can get a smoothie, essentially, at Starbucks. So, But whatever. I'm probably just going to keep calling it that because I have been. They get smoothies. <laughs> but anyway, they're at their their favorite place to get smoothies. And Peter is basically encouraging Harry to just, like, be honest with Norman. And if he wants to stay at Horizon High or if he doesn't want to go to Osborne Academy, like, just tell Norman that. And Peter's like, he'll get it. And Harry's like, he really won't. Like, it's not as easy as just telling him. And then Harry puts his entire foot and probably whole leg in his mouth <laughs> when he says, that Peter wouldn't get it because Peter doesn't have a dad that he constantly has to answer to. And this is a yikes, but I think it's also written really well because in the moment, Harry is saying something very specific to himself, not generally about like dads. Like the point he's making is that his dad expects too much from him. And I think that's what he's saying. It just so happens. Peter is a kid without a dad, (laughs) you know, it's not the dad part. It's, it's it's the it's the answering to part and the expectations part. <laughs> yeah, well, it's almost. I mean, it's almost like I think even like I wish I didn't have to yeah. have 
that person that I had to answer to. Like, I'm sure he's not wishing that he didn't have a dad. But that's what it sounds like to somebody who wishes for their dad, you know, right, or their dad right. figure. <laughs> yeah, it, I agree. It's really well done. And, I mean, you know, when Harry catches himself literally right after that, it's like, wait, no, I didn't mean that. But not before a very, uh, uh, you know, and an, a very yeah. pregnant pause and look from Peter. Oh, totally. And, it, and it's like the first... It's the first, like, we've seen Harry be, like, shitty to Spider-Man out of rage. This is really the first and so far only time that he's ever, like, said something kind of shitty to Peter, mm-hmm. even if it was unintentional. Yeah. Um, which I think is is a nice thing to track because we've seen the walls continually be closing in on Harry or at least, like, him having to face really frustrating decisions that are out of his control. And I would not be surprised if we get more and more of these types of slip-ups from him as he's, like, getting more and more frustrated with just life in general. Yeah, but again, it's, like, slowly boiling because ultimately they still walk away being like, yeah, but we're best friends and this this stuff's not going to get between us. Peter doesn't, like... Peter, there's a pregnant pause and I think there's the moment of Peter being like, "I did you just say what I think you said? Yeah. But, yeah, Harry catches himself. He apologizes, like, genuinely. And Peter rolls with it and I think has an understanding about what point Harry was trying to make as opposed to the words that Harry said. And it just ends with them reaffirming their friendship. Like, it's going to be devastating when these two finally actually clash either as civilians or as super people. Like, what, yeah. whatever it is or however it happens, it's going to be devastating because they keep affirming that these two friends are pushing through little and big moments in their lives that could separate them. You know what I mean? In a, in a less less well-done show or even in a show that's just more cartoonish than this one, this would have been a blow-up. You know what I mean? And a bunch of their yeah. other interactions would have been blow-ups too. And they would have felt totally normal in those shows. I mean, if this interaction happened in the 90s show, Peter would have stormed off and like thrown a tray off the table. You know what I mean? He would like, have literally sprinted away. Exactly, exactly. So I... I <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting because you're like, wow, the shit they say to each other sometimes is like kind of rough, but it's realistic in the way that these are friends that really don't want to lose each other. And that's yeah. ugh, it's going to be so painful. Yeah, I'm really impressed with the slow burn of, of, the, of some of the stuff because it's not a slow paced show. There's still there's a no. lot of stuff happening. I mean, even this episode alone, like resolves stuff way more quickly, resolves like like ongoing stuff way more quickly than I expected at all. But but the actual like characterization stuff is really slow burn, and I can see how that could be a turnoff to some people who maybe have just come off of Spectacular Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man and stuff. But I really like how slow burn that it's been because I feel like they're really appropriately building up to whatever they're building up to, and it I I whatever it is I feel like there's going to have been very nicely done setup for it when the dominoes actually fall. But here's the thing though, it's only been 5 episodes. So it it's it, they've managed to make it feel like a slow burn by including a piece of it in every single episode, but it's only been a month of the show week to week, you That's know? True. That's so I feel point. like if people don't like the slow burn, it's only because they're used to shows that do things so fast. Like it is less realistic unless you are specifically showing us how much time has passed for their entire relationship to fall apart in three episodes. It makes yeah. way more sense for their their relationship to fracture and fall apart slowly as mm-hmm. best friends, you know? So I, I like it. I think they've managed to do they've managed to do so much in five episodes that it feels like we've been talking about the show simultaneously for a long time and not very long at all, which I think is an accomplishment. Yeah. 
I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. I'm liking the show. I like the show. I think the show rules. Actually. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Real quick, we'll get to final thoughts in a sec. But face of the episode, uh, we got a few of them. Um, the first one, I just like all the varied reactions to "We'll have a dance" because it's basically <laughs> when Max is like, "We're gonna have a dance." It's like the very extremely happy Alexi sandwich between like utterly like shocked and horrified Anya and Miles. <laughs> yeah, Miles is just like totally floored like that that's happening and Anya looks like distressed like her <laughs> eyebrows are like furrowed together and she's just like oh what is this my reality yeah. <laughs> did Alexi I know we only saw Alexi like briefly in other episodes but are the bags under his eyes new for this episode is that is that meant to be like a visual cue I don't remember if he had them or not. I don't feel like we saw him well, I mean, I'm sure we saw him enough to notice I mean, them. But you'd probably have to pause. We saw him so briefly. Because he, def- I think he definitely had them okay. at the end of the episode when he goes to see the nurse. Yeah. But it's also like, well, yeah, because he's like sick or whatever. That feels right. So I don't know, because it, it, it is weird. Yeah. It's an interesting design choice because it makes him look like a very tired character. And he's, I mean, he's super energetic, which could be why he's tired, tired all the time. But it is weird to have like the most energetic character on screen also look the most tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, huh. Yeah. I just Weird was wondering if, if that was something you had noticed or not. And then the other face that was pulled, it has nothing to do with like the overall episode or the themes or anything. I just hated it immediately. I still hate it. I didn't want to see it again. It's so weird. It's so detailed. It doesn't need to be. It's literally just Peter like sipping his drink through a straw. And like they, <laughs> they draw like, full on lips and like he has his eyes closed. he's like experiencing ecstasy in this smoothie and it just i don't like it and it i'm scarred and so now you all have to see it too i think this particular show's character designs don't really jibe with the face that they make for him no here. it's too much detail it's too yeah. much detail and it is a moment because it's a moment of relief i mean that's what it's communicating is like they've gotten through a storm again you know but i just i don't like it i don't like it not into it yeah i um you know it's funny i i liked this i i uh, actually i didn't i i wasn't super into this episode when i watched it the first time around um but not less because of the episode itself more just because i think i was disappointed at seeing how quickly all the Jackal stuff just got wrapped up. Like I thought that that was going to last a lot longer. So I was like, that's kind of weird watching it a second time. I paid attention to a lot of the really good character moments and a lot of like the really nice writer stuff throughout the episode. And the Jackal stuff was almost kind of like second fiddle to it. But I did think like kind of thinking about it afterwards, I sort of wonder if maybe the show is still doing a little bit of like what Spectacular did in terms of like little mini arcs within its larger arcs, because I could see it being a thing where it's like it's not it's not as structured as what Spectacular did, where it was like very explicit when it was a new arc in the end of an arc. Yeah, they might just be overlapping arcs. Yeah, this one, I because th- I could sort of see it's like, okay, we're going to do the beginning of the show has a few episodes with the Jackal, and then that's over. Now we're going to move on to the next few episodes, which I, the next few episodes are like the symbiote few series of episodes or something like that. And then and then that wraps up and moves on to another. I don't know if that's how it is, but if that's the case, I feel a little bit better about it. Cause I just expected the Jackal to be more of a, of a larger threat than he actually was. Is yeah, all. I don't know if I feel better about it in that context, though, because if that was supposed to be an arc, I don't think the Jackal will 
or even Raymond Warren were big enough figures for it to constitute its own arc. I was surprised at how quickly it tied up and fully expect more Raymond Warren somehow just because I was so surprised. I really very honestly thought that the Smythes were going to be the first villain thing to tie up because they're so cartoonish. (laughs) And so I, I figured like, okay, well that will be our, that'll be sort of our, like, let's get it out of the way. Raymond Warren, maybe not the Jackal, but Raymond Warren specifically, the way that they introduced him and his role and everything felt like it deserved more than just these, you know, few episodes. And and there's probably more somehow. He's just, I don't know. I, he's, he feels too tied into things, especially considering this episode sort of introduces him as probably the person who created Spider-Man. You know? Yeah. And, and and I think the, the connection to Gwen, it just seemed like that was going to be bigger. Because obviously it has an impact on her at the end of the episode. But, like, I was expecting there to be a little more played with, with her having a connection with him. Yeah. And it might simply be a case where this just is just the beginning of that story. and That's and my hope. Like, it feels like it's the end of it, but even though he's outed in prison doesn't mean that he's not going to still have some kind of connection with Gwen or that Gwen's not going to be grappling with her connection with him or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's my hope, and that's the only reason I say, like, I hope it's not just small arcs in the in that sense because I, yeah. I want this to continue, even if it doesn't in, like, the next two or three episodes. Like, I want it to come back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Just so that it is still affecting Gwen in some way, or it is still playing into the adult drama that is way in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm like not ready to give up on 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 that his his part of the puzzle. Yeah, it's got to be come back into play just for the like the adult background stuff at all. And I do think it, it is just it would be too much of a waste to have a a known superhero character who isn't a superhero yet having to grapple with a supervillain close relative that was also like her mentor like that's always a really interesting position for a character to be in yeah yeah totally but i I think generally i agree with you like when all is said and done i like the episode for a lot of the things it does and was just surprised at some of the things that tied up i was honestly surprised at how quickly even just the rhino stuff tied up not necessarily in context because the herman versus clayton thing wrapped up in that same episode without going much further um, and Vulture was sort of wrapped up without going much further. But just in a general sense, I was surprised to see that Rhino only existed so far for yeah. one episode. But I, I, I don't dislike it because I like what you sort of identified very early on in that her, if if Horizon is sort of creating these super antagonists, hard to even say villains, like it, I don't think I would call yeah. Rhino a villain here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I like it for that reason. So no complaints on it, just general surprise. Yeah, yeah. I think ultimately the backbone of the show seems to be like a lot of the Harry Peter stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's doing that stuff really, 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 really well. Yeah. So, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, I like this. I like this. Good stuff. Yeah, same here. Other good stuff, now that you mention it, is on our Patreon. Hey. At Patreon, patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. You can join us for lots of cool stuff, lots of bonus episodes. We've mentioned it on our past episodes. We'll be, our, our AMA is on there. And I think by this point, by the time this episode comes out, it will have also been unlocked for everyone. So if you're not a patron, you can go to our Patreon and check out our over two-hour AMA where we just answer tons of questions <laughs> from all of our listeners for a long time about every subject if you want to learn more about us. And if you really, really like it, then... You can stay as a patron and you would get all of our other AMAs that will come after that 
two weeks early. So, And honestly, at this point, we're probably about to solicit questions for our next one. So start thinking of some. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So otherwise, if you would like to also learn more about us outside of just those AMAs, where can we find you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on a Pokemon podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And you can find me on a third podcast called Novel Gaming, which is a podcast about books, video games, and splashes and spritzes of other pop culture. What about you, Derek? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my YouTube series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. And if you'd like to hear more from both Doug and I, you can check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. You can also visit us on our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com, for a full archive of all of our episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WallopingWebPod, or email us any of your thoughts about this show, or about anything, really, at WallopingWebSnappersPodcast at gmail.com. And if you could, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Do that on all podcast platforms, like whatever you listen to, but especially if you can, do it on Apple Podcasts, because that's the easiest way for people to find us. Next week, Spidey meets a very surprising Sandman in... Sandman. I love it. Love See it. you then. See ya.